People deluded, I'm back again. Welcome back to another edition of the Deluded Podcast, the really and truly podcast, the DG Podcast. Listen, whatever you want to refer to it as is fine as me, just as long as you're well aware that you know this comes out twice a week. It's available on Apple and Spot um Apple and Spotify. Make sure you're following or whatever it is to stay up to date. And all the other general media media, sorry, streaming services. So make sure you pay attention. Obviously, you know. I'm primarily known for doing YouTube videos, so there's always going to be a bunch of YouTube videos. And at the time of making this, people, tomorrow, Burnley versus Arsenal, live watch-along business from around 11 o'clock. So if you're over there, or if, if you ain't got nothing to do early days, why not join me on YouTube as I provide live commentary and reaction of that game, people, in real time. Now, enough of the cheeky plugs. In fact, no, we're not. Please make sure you're following me across everything, Deluded Guna 04. That's on everything, Snapchat, Guna 04. So literally, if you're going to follow on nothing else, Instagram, um, Instagram, Clubhouse people, the two things I'd love you to do. And of course, subscribe to YouTube. Enough of the cheeky plugging, people. It's Friday, you know, it's... It's the end of the week, man. It's the end of the week. And depending on what team you support, weeks go, weeks is even longer. You know, there's been midweek action. The games are coming thick and fast. We've got Champions League next week. We've got the Man United City, Manchester Derby to come. You know, we've had a big game this week. The football is coming thick and fast, people. Um, if I just quickly run through the results we have seen in this midweek round of fixtures, people. Obviously, you've got to start with the big one. We're going to delve into it in, in, in a second, people. But Chelsea defeated Liverpool, goal to nil. Liverpool, nil. Chelsea, one. West Bromwich Albion, nil. Everton, one. And that firmly boosts and strengthens Carlo Ancelotti's case for getting top four with Everton. Sam Allardyce did say he'd take Everton to the top four. Didn't know if it would be representing another team as their manager. But, you know, it, it was really a case of one nil victories almost everywhere, people. Like I said, Chelsea defeated Liverpool goal to nil, as did Everton in their game against West Bromwich Albion. Spurs, also courtesy of an own goal, won one nil against Fulham in a London derby. It was 1-1 in the Burnley versus Leicester game. 1-0 to Sheffield United against Aston Villa. You know, Sheffield United are probably not going to get out of relegation, but it's nice to see them get three points and it's nice to see McGoldrick also score and they were obviously reduced to 10 men again people we've seen I'm not going to get into it because we've seen VAR in it like some some things are red cards in another game other reasons it's carrying on you know I can't lie there's at least two incidences I've seen across VAR in this midweek round of fixtures where it's given this handball but the ball is literally blasted a couple centis like merely, merely you know not even you know there's no way to react you know I'm seeing it. the Fulham game people I don't know how the goals disallow that's a shag I'm sorry but that's a shag that's an absolute shag what is Lemayna supposed to do now Lemayna probably feels like poo because it's not his fault, but he's involved in that against Fulham. And also he missed a tapping. And again, you know, Spurs caught life. We're going to get into the Spurs game, but I can't. I'm always going to go against Spurs. I'm an Arsenal man, but it's not making any sense. And there was at least a couple of other incidences of that regards. As we know, VAR every week, there's a talking point. Like I always say, I'm tired of speaking about it because, you know, every week there's something that's 
changes a game in one game and then there's a reason it's not given in the other. I'm tired of it, people. You know, the way they interpret the law, the way they use VAR, they just before you talk about video refs, just the level of incompetence from our referees in this country, you know, you add all of this together, people, and you get a cocktail that is probably too strong for anyone to drink. Ain't no rare nothing that people, you know, and this is why it's poor. You know, apparently the handball laws are gonna be revisited in the summer. That's of little hope. I feel sorry for Fulham. I'm not saying they're gonna beat Spurs, but there's been a couple of games where they've been hard done by by a VAR. And like I said, they weren't going to beat Spurs for me. But let's just say that goal gave them the momentum to go and snatch it and make it 2-1 people. You know, they would have been lifted ahead of Newcastle, above Newcastle. So, again, you know, these decisions are costing people their livelihoods indirectly. You know, they would have taken a point potentially because Spurs had to hold on a bit, you know. Like Spurs made it harder than it needed to be. Um, one encouraging sign was Daily Ali, but like I said, we're going to delve into that game shortly. Remember those talking points so I don't have to cover them. Once again, Chelsea won, Liverpool nil, Everton won, West Bromwich Albion nil, Spurs won, Fulham nil. So all the home teams actually lost people in the first three games or the games played on Thursday. All identical fixtures. The away teams in Spurs, Everton and Chelsea all walked away with victory. Um, if we go back to this week, Wednesday, as I said, Burnley and Leicester drew. Sheffield United defeated Aston Villa. And probably the most boring game of all games this week, people. I'm sure you all saw Crystal Palace versus Man United. You know what time it is. Midweek trip to London. United's wearing that, 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 that um, zebra kit. You know it's not going to be a game to talk about you know the most interesting thing is seeing Rashford and Maguire getting at each other and you know calling him an effing this and whatnot from Rashford um you know that was the only interesting one that tells you how boring the game is people it was it was poor you know United are struggling to score goals in general let alone score winners you know there's no way of playing it is quite poor you know Bruno Fernandes anonymous you know it's quite poor I think Shaw did all right in what he could do I think Maguire was quite wasteful on the ball there's no ideas from United. It's quite stale. They can't break down teams. It is. It's just boring, really and truly. Like it's Wan-Bissaka is putting more of a shift going forward than certain man. As much as I love Marcus Rashford, his decision making is what's going to take him to the next level, and he's still got the decision making of a 17, 18 year old. If I'm real with you people, um, and I, I expected him to be much better in that regard. Crystal Palace will take a point, of course. Um, they held on well, but it was really a lackluster game. The only benefit I would say is you know. It's, it's not cool to rate Luke Shaw and again his team didn't win they sat up negatively you know they didn't really for me have the quality to score in the final third or show that they had the quality relation to the game but I think Shaw has continued his decent his decent form people in in that regards really really and truly you know United again you know United at the, at the end of the day you need to put the ball in the back of the net they had 600 passes people 780 781 touches on the ball 11 shots but just one on target that tells you it all people that tells you that tells you it all you know Crystal Palace don't score too many goals on the best of days you know Roy Hudson ain't really about that they had two shots on target they had eight shots people and 37 percent of possession so really and truly you know you're a club like Man United they should have more than one shot against Crystal Palace with all due with all due respect people you know and and, and I was it was quite a wasteful game I did feel um, both back lines were giving the ball away needlessly early on, especially United. Like there was one where Matic, experienced Matic, has played it across, tried to play it forward, but he's played a square pass and it was all, he almost got made to pay for it, people. There was a couple of incidences like that. 
I actually think Greenwood did all right, to be fair with you, watching it as a neutral. I think Cavani was starved. I think anytime you bring on Dan James, it's a problem. You know, you've got to rate Eze, you know, and, and McTominay had a tough time playing against Eze when he came off that bench. You know, just a terrible game for Manchester United, really and truly, you know, and it's two points dropped to going into the Manchester derby. You can't rule out anybody. But again, if you can't take points in that, it's a bit like Arsenal. If we can't beat Burnley, I'm going to look at you a bit side-eyes as we've got the North London derby next week. So it's a point gain for Palace, two points dropped for United. Saying that, though, I'm sure Palace will come to think there was opportunities to get something more in that game, people. Um, I think Dean Henderson saved Man United a couple of occasions. And again, um, because of De Gea returning to Spain for a personal matter, Oli Solskjaer said there's a lot of rumours. Apparently, his, his wife is giving, is giving birth. And obviously, with the COVID laws, it rules him out for a minute. I'm not going to speculate because there's no facts. Either way, you know, Dean Henderson, it's a big season for him in a sense of you're not involved in Sheffield anymore. You want to make it at United. You've signed a big deal. Obviously, You've got to do what you need to do at club level before you talk about international football. But let's be real, that is a that is something. Now, you know, it will probably be Nick Pope, Dean Henderson and Pickford. And to be fair, Pickford has found some form of late. But really and truly, beyond Southgate just picking favourites, there's not a number one. So it's a big season for, De- for, for Dean Henderson. Obviously, he's fighting the hair. Right now, he's been losing that battle and he's had to be patient. But... For the next four or five or so games, he's got the opportunity now. You know, if you play well, you can't really drop your goalie. You know, you can't. Um, De Gea at times has been suspect this season, to put it nicely, like Allison of late, really. Um, it's Dean Henderson's got his opportunity and it's what he makes of it. Apparently, he's, in, he's not lacking in self-confidence. Time to go out there and show that, really and truly, people, um, and do and do his thing. Um, last night, well, I'll say last night, but when Man United did play against Crystal Palace a couple of days ago, people, it was the 24th time Bruno Fernandes has completed 90 minutes in the Premier League, um, but it was the first time he didn't have a single shot at goal. So, again, you know, they didn't create anything. Manchester United have had more goalless draws than any other team in the Premier League this season. This is their joint most in a single campaign, people, in the comp with six that's up there with 2015-16 and 2004-2005, people. Make of that what you will. Now, moving away from Manchester United and their troubles, I'm sure you all saw Burnley and Leicester drew 1-1. I watched this game with a bit of a scouting cap on because I wanted to see what Burnley were about, people. Now, you know, Kelechi and Nacho via a long ball from um, Wilfred Ndidi helped save the day. You know, that was a goal... Um, for Leicester made in Nigeria via two Super Eagles. Um, poor defending from Burnley, in my opinion. Pope's in no man's land. There's no communication. But it's a fantastic pass and a fantastic strike from Kelechi, in my opinion. That salvaged the point for them. After Chudbury, Hamza Chudbury obviously got caught in the midfield, played a silly pass and allowed um, <clears throat> Vidra of, of Burnley to score. For in, in for Vidra, people, that ended a run of 1,212 minutes without actually scoring a Premier League goal. Last time he netted was in February 2020 against Bournemouth, people. So, is what it is. Both teams obviously hit the post at key areas in that game. Both teams probably could have snatched something. Forever, for, for Leicester, sorry... You know, again, I'm going to get into it, but I think Chelsea are looking to be that team for second now. I know mathematically they're, they're not quite there yet and, and it looked to be United, but I just feel the form Chelsea's in, 
you know, Leicester are looking a bit shaky of late. They lost to Arsenal, for God's sake, and they drawn to Burnley. We've got Burnley next. Um, I think that's theirs for the taking, really. Liverpool, obviously, you know, we're not even talking about... They, they're, the, they're the current league holders. We're talking, can they get in the top four? I think Manchester City got a lot of energy when, you know, when, it, when City were off the pace last season and Liverpool were blowing it away. Pep Guardiola had a lot of criticism, a lot of people telling him about himself. And I don't think none of that... I'm not saying it should, but I don't see the same energy. But back to the topic, people. I back Chelsea to get that, people, really and truly, because Leicester are dropping points and, you know, it's a techie, techie part of the season, really and truly. I'm sure you all saw, you know, Sheffield United defeated Aston Villa a goal to nil. David McGoldrick strike enough to seal three points for 10 men Sheffield United after Phil Jagielka was sent off. With Jagielka being sent off, people, he's the second oldest player ever to be sent off in the Premier League at 38 years of age and 198 days. Only behind Stuart Pearce, who obviously in 2001 for West Ham against Everton, at the age of 38 years of age and 341 days were sent off people. David McGoldrick has, um, you know, um, has scored twice the number of Premier League goals of any other Sheffield United player this season, people. I think he's bagged six. When you look at it, you know, Billy Sharp's got three. He's now actually equaled the Blades' top goal scorer in the competition from last year, which was McBurney. <laughs> Pardon me, I missed it with six, so... You know, on the best of days, Sheffield United can't score. And I think this highlights how boring they are in championship standard their, their side is, people. 32 of Sheffield United's Premier League results since last season have finished with a one-goal margin, resulting in them winning winning 13 and losing 19. This is more than any other side. Um, and their four Premier League wins this season have all been by the odd goal. So again, every game is fir firmly on a knife edge. Now... Manchester City defeated Wolves four goals to one. It was 1-1 one, one at a point, you know. At one point, the only person who scored was technically Wolves. as an own goal from Dendonka and obviously Connor Cody was involved. It was very much a tale of the two centre-halves, really. Um, you know, to be fair to Dendonka, Sterling's putting that in either way. I think it was the Mahrez show. I know Gab has just came on and did well. But, you know, Mahrez is involved in a couple of those goals. You know, the first goal where he's involved in, in a build-up to... Um, um, then Donker's um, own goal, the touch and then the the, the ball across like Mara, it's the Maris show, man. It was the Maris show. You know, Gab Jesus had a goal ruled out for offside and then correctly on for onside. That's what VAR should be about. When I look at games where, you know, when I look at Fulham, when I look at West Brom against Everton, you know, man, I'll be done dirty in the Premier League. To be fair, the West Brom one t technically is offside. Didn't Liverpool have one or Chelsea had one? So there was definitely one in the game last night as well. Um, so yeah, VAR is what it is, people. But you know, City ran riot. You know, again, it's at least you could say if you're a Wolves man, there's no clean sheet there for for for, for City. Um, and you did have to make them. I wouldn't say wait for those three goals, but those three, you know, the influx of goals suddenly came within the last ten minutes. People, you know, they live up. Um, City apologies were on top of Wolves, but they were holding on. People, they were really holding on. But like you know, people, you can't hold them off forever. You know, they've got goals all over the field. They've got quality players all over the field. And they displayed it um, They displayed it in the game, people. For me, Mares would be man of the match. Just because I think he was on Saturn Elks in that whole game. Is what it is. And it was lovely to see Pep Guardiola even shouting at Kevin De Bruyne for losing the ball, people. So, yeah, courtesy of Gab, Jesus and Cole. 
you know, Manchester City patterned it up on 1-4-1, make it 21 games unbeaten. They actually haven't trailed for a single minute in any of their last 19 Premier League games, people. That has obviously Arsenal equaled Arsenal's competition of 19 games without falling behind. That was set between December 1998 and May 1999. Manchester City are now unbeaten in 28 games in all competitions, drawing three and winning 25. That's equaled their club record run of 28 between April and December 2017. So Pep, City, renewed energy, walking away with the league. And it, I'm keen to see our City going to be back now. They're going to win the league this year. Are they going to win it next year? Are they going to put some respect on their name in Europe? Who knows, people? Mares, for me, he was the man of the match. He has been directly involved in 30 goals in 38 starts in all comps for his club. 15 goals, 15 assists, dead down the middle. You know, it's sad. If Mares was someone else, somewhere else, he'd be appreciated even more. Like, I would love him at Arsenal. Instead, we got William and Reese Nelson and them thing there. But it is what it is, man. Gab Jesus has been directly involved in 45 goals in 53 starts in all comps for Manchester City. Seven assists, 38 goals, people. Connor Cody scored his first ever Premier League goal, people, on his 103rd appearance, people. It's also his only shot on target in his Premier League career. Um, only Connor Cody has scored more on goals for Wolves, however, in the Premier League than Den Donker. You know, Cody's got three, Den Donker's got two. It's, just, it's unlucky. It is what it is, you know. They didn't, they're not doing it on purpose. Moving away from that, though, and Fulham versus Spurs. Now, I've said it before. Me, personally, I would take Robertson. And, in fact, let me... Let me write that down because I'm doing I'm doing a, a video after this people I would take Fulham's Robertson the left back I know he got sent off against United or, or Chelsea he was playing well until then I think he's a good player obviously he's at Wigan he's been linked with AC Milan I would take him at Arsenal as backup to Tini. I like him going forward I think Fulham played well the problem is I've said that quite a few times for Fulham that they're playing well and they've got no change now it's a bitter pill to swallow because had they have won this you know they would have gone ahead of Newcastle. Newcastle are in the relegation battle. So by that logic, there's still enough for them to do. And Fulham should feel hard done by it. Like I said earlier, definitely should have had a point, you know. Lemayne missed the tapping and then obviously he's involved in, in the handball, which is harsh against him. You know, they did have Spurs in their own half. They did have Doherty panicking. They did have them stressed out really and truly at large periods. You know, Spurs made it harder than it needed to be. They obviously didn't score and close up shop to the standard they could. I think Daly had a good game. You know, obviously he's involved in what led to the own goal from, from Tosin that gave Spurs the 1-0 victory. Um, Spurs did have to defend for a lot of the second half, but either way, they did it. You know, midweek, they've given themselves that. I'll get into it, but this moment in time, I don't know who Spurs have got on the weekend. I think they play on Sunday. Um, so, yeah, they've given themselves a, a good platform. Kane, I don't think Kane quite had his shooting boots on. I think um, Lemayna had a good couple little touches off the um, when he was involved, especially there was a minute in the second half. He nutmegged someone. It was a decent game still. Fulham should be unlucky. The only consolation I can give Fulham is that if you keep playing like this, you have half a chance, people. Deli Ali, he might be getting a new lease of life in the Spurs squad in the same way Ndombele did. Deli made more tackles than any other Spurs player against Fulham. Fair enough, it was four, but he only played 67 minutes. Um, I think Bale was OK. He was a bit so-so, didn't really continue the form he's had, but... You know, Spurs have good depth, you know. They do need a bit more quality, but they have got a good squad, you know. I'm not... With what I'm about to say, 
But this is way before mentioning even even mentioning Endom Endombile people and footballs footballs a squad game. We all we all know this, but you need a certain eleven people. When you add the fact that Endombile also started, this makes this crazy people. It was Fulham versus Spurs was the first time that you saw Gareth Bale, Dele Ali, Sun Hyun Min, and Harry Kane all start for the first time at Spurs. Like I said, when you add in Endombile and what Endombile gives you, bold. That's a serious attack. And for me, the problems are defensively. You know, they're relying on... For me, they're doing what they're doing... What Arsenal did with Koscielny, with Toby Alderweireld in that. He's still a quality defender. But the older he gets, you're making him do more things. Like, Toby is not shining at Spurs because he's... You know, it's a great defensive system. They're playing well and he's showing his quality. He's shining because the team is all over the place defensively. And again, he's still a quality player. But he's putting out fires, you know. It's like a fireman. If there's a burning building, you know... He's there putting in all those tackles and stuff and saving babies and kids and it's looking heroic no matter how impossible it looks. I feel quite sorry for uh, Toby Alderweireld because you look to your right, you've got Doherty who's a walking fire hazard. You know, Davison Sanchez is a bit so-so. Sometimes he's on this, sometimes he's not and he's incredibly blinkered. You know, Ben Davis just seemed like he was on tactical fouls FC yesterday. Loris, nothing to do, nothing to get at him but generally they've probably got to assess bringing in a keeper. I feel, you know, the bat is defensively for Spurs. They need to make some real changes and long-term changes. Again, I don't know if Bell's their player permanently. You know, I hope Endombile goes to the PSGs and these teams soon. Deli Ali, I don't know if he's got a new lease of life. It is what it is, you know. Deli and Bell, you know, they've been really subjected to cup competitions for for substantial minutes and obviously rotation's a thing. And with all due respect to Fulham, this might have been the perfect game potentially for Jose to potentially consider it. They both got their chances. I feel they didn't do poor. I think Bell put himself around. I think Daly gave a good account of himself, but it weren't quite to the standard. Harry Kane didn't quite have his shooting boots on um, and all of those things. But at the end of the day, they won in it. They walked away with winning and that sets them up perfectly for their next game. I'm sure Jose has had a lot to say to his players. Now, if we move away from that, the game of the week was Liverpool nil, Chelsea won. Five defeats at Anfield for Liverpool, you know. Like I said at the start, Klopp's got it all to do. I, I'm tired of speaking about this. I don't want to say I told you so, but people used to call me negative. I know that football works in cycles. And I said that Liverpool team has been together a while. They're playing a dangerous game. And especially, obviously, COVID's played a part and stuff. But especially when you've won a league title off the back of what they've been doing, winning Champions League, you know, coming out second best at a time in the Premier League and also in the Champs. So if we say that's probably that squad's been together for anything from three to five years. You know, Klopp is a fantastic manager, but football works in cycles. Football catches up with everyone. From what I'm seeing with Liverpool time and time again, you know, they can put teams on the back foot. Second half, they had Chelsea on the back foot. Shout out to Chelsea because I don't want to forget, but Chelsea looked good on the counter and they throughout the game, I think when they broke and played some of those passes, it was a joy to watch as a neutral. But like I was saying, back to Liverpool now, people, yeah. Liverpool can put moves together, but it's how is it getting in the back of the net? They put they put Chelsea under sustained pressure. Chelsea couldn't get out of their half for seconds in for a couple moments in that second half. But it sounds stupid, but it just it seems like Liverpool have no plan to put the ball in the back of the net. They'll pass and it's backwards, it's forward. It's, it's a bit like Arsenal in that against. It's like nobody's shooting, no one's really got a plan. You know, I guess some of that is down to um, Jurgen Klopp and what he's working on the football field. But the players, you know, Salah's anonymous. Mane's not got his shooting boots. Firmino's just on a next thing, really and truly. And these things catch up with you. You look at from you look at Firmino, Marley and Salah, they're in their peak now. This is the best they're gonna get. And Liverpool have played a dangerous game. 
depth has always been a problem for Liverpool and they've done very good to keep their players fit for large portions of previous seasons. You know, that starting 11. Outside of that starting 11, there is really no quality. So if there is off days, you know, they're bench. You can't be looking at Oxlade-Chamberlain to come off and get you something against Chelsea. I'm, I like Ox. He's a former Guna, but I'm sorry. That's not going to help you. You've got Naby Keita, who is a bit of a flight risk in terms of fitness, but where is he? You know, you've got Jurgen Klopp that seems like he, he, he kind of, he took off Salah. And I think it was harsh, but I don't think any of the front three could complain. But then he's kind of spoken indirectly about saying it maybe I should have taken off Mane. He didn't say that in other words, but it just seems like people have found out Liverpool. They're a bit stale. They're lacking ideas. They haven't adapted to the squad for me. You know, people used to get at me and say, oh, what are you talking about Firmino? He, he, he gives them something. He does, but you need someone who can score goals. Football's a 38-game period. You know, they need the front... When, you, when, you, when you've got the problems they have defensively, you know, they've had bare injuries defensively but you can't sit here and, and talk about it they only conceded one goal and that was their own stupid mistake really and truly you know for to allow Mount to do that you, you know they're all over the place tactically the front three isn't quite there there's no ideas in midfield or lack of quality new players like Thiago are, are, are drowning you know Trent and Robertson aren't quite firing at the cylinders there isn't much um depth and for Jurgen Klopp he hasn't evolved the side you know Pep Guardiola had all this music he hasn't involved he hasn't evolved the side Liverpool do not have a plan B Liverpool look stale they look like they're lacking ideas and time catches up with everyone cycles catch up with everyone Liverpool have been found out people know how to play against you so he has to reinvent it you know he has to re he don't turn a bad manager overnight and to be fair Liverpool fans I know you would have liked to have seen a better defence of your title, but, you know, I'm sure a lot of you would have taken one this season after claiming your title for 30 years. Um, they've got to reinvent. Now, Klopp isn't going to... I think if Liverpool were doing what City are doing right now, I think Klopp might have walked at the end of the season because he's been there for a minute. I don't think he's leaving now because they need to reinvest. And you're looking at the board, you know, some these players aren't good enough, really and truly, beyond the, the starting eleven. And when you really scrutinise things, you know... Thiago's going to be a quality signing, but right now he's looking shaky. Kater, quality player, never fit shaky. Oxlade-Chamberlain, shaky, you know. Origi, I'm sure he's down in Liverpool folklore, shaky. You know, there's not a real lot of quality. Even the front three right now, they're moving bukey. They're moving, like, Liverpool have a lot to work on, people, you know. The five defeats at Anfield, I'm not even a Liverpool fan and I'm angry for Liverpool. A club like Liverpool, that's a violation. After going how many games, what, like 60, 70-odd games, 68 games, I think it was, without defeat at Liverpool, at Anfield, sorry, to then go through that. It's crazy, you know. And I think, it, you know, Kante's passing you off the park. Kante's passing you off the park. You know, for Chelsea, I think Kante was good. If I had to single out people for absolute praise, I think Jorginho did well. I think Kante did well. I think Mason Mount did very well. Very well. Man of the match for me, him or Kante. Um, Christensen, I think he... Rüdiger worked well as well, but I think Christensen did very well on defence. Um, I think Mendy went... Not that he had much to deal with, but things that he did have to deal with, it was there. Obviously, you've got to give praise to Tuchel because, again, it's a, he, he's, he's gone against United. He's gone against, what's it? He's gone at Atletico. He's gone at Spurs. He's gone at Liverpool. And, you know, he's walked away not with negative results. And it's still earlier in his tenure, but he's doing his thing. And for me, Mason Mount's one of the first to go on the plane for England. You know, I told you, like, Lau Mason Mount. It's an interesting one because I do feel... When you look at Phil Foden, Mason Mount, Madison, Jack Grealish, I might be missing out one more man. Uh, Madison, if I haven't, 
you know, that's four man. They're probably not all going to go, but I don't think none of them deserve to be dropped. You know, for me, Mount goes because Mount can play in a couple of roles and he's playing well. Forget his goal yesterday, people. You know, it was a very good goal, but he worked very hard. He looked to be the one to make something happen. I'm not going to lie. I think Reese James struggled. I think Reese James looked a bit off the pace, um, really, in his, in his start. But yeah, man, for England, I don't know, man. I think Mount deserves to go and I think he will. And Mount's proving people wrong. People always want to get at him, but he's showing his quality. You know, the minute Tuchel came in, man, they're saying Mount's not going to play anymore because this and that. Now look at what he's on, people. Now look at what he's on. That it is what it is. When you look at it, only Manchester City have earned more po points than Chelsea. Chelsea have 18, Manchester City have 24 since Thomas Tuchel took over eight games ago. Lampard only earned seven points from his final eight games in charge, so there has been a bit of a turnaround. Um, when you look at it as well, people, Liverpool have earned just 10 points from 11 Premier League games in 2021. I'm sorry, but you can't just blame that on injuries, you know. You can't, you can't just say that's injuries. Sorry, people, you can't just blame injuries for Liverpool's form. Like, you can't. I had to write that down because that's probably going to be the title of this podcast. I don't think you can. Injuries are playing a part. Look, they even had a new partnership yesterday and VAR even saved them really and truly. You know, Alisson coming out of no man's land. There's still a lack of communication. But there's got to be something in their game plan because they were having a couple injuries last year. They were still getting it over and over the line. 10 points from 11 Premier League games is not just down to injuries. You're doing something wrong. There's no way around that. You know, you look at it, only West Brom with nine, Newcastle with seven, Southampton with four have picked up fewer points since the turn of the year. And that's, you don't want to be next to these sort of man, you know. Steve Bruce is getting a lot of critics and even players are turning on him now. Newcastle, like I said, if Fulham beat... If Fulham did beat Spurs, they'd go ahead of Newcastle. And Fulham have been in the relegation battle all year. So what would that tell you? Southampton, you know, have not been as good as they have been of recent. You know, why do you think then nobody's doing all the propaganda for their manager again? You know, West um, West Brom again, a team fighting relegation, a team lacking real quality with all due respect. Um, so again, that's not just down to injuries. That's down to that's down to everyone at Liverpool, and they all have to take accountability. The manager, the players, everybody in the same way. Nobody, not saying the players, but nobody was immune to accepting praise when everything was going right. So nobody can be immune to, to criticism. You know, nobody was really. I think Trent tried for what it's worth yesterday. A couple of times he's putting good balls into the box, but it's like they have no patterns of play. It's like they can pass, they can hold on to the ball, they can put you under pressure, but there's nothing else. For Chelsea, though, I think Chelsea looked good when they did break. I think they had to weather the storm and, you know, defend a bit more in the second half. But I did feel their mo the moves when they went forward were good, especially the counter-attacks. I feel their gameplay was spot on. You know, you do the one worry you have with Jorginho is people running at him. He's not the best defensively. But when you've got a system like that and you're playing the way Tuchel wants to play... You can Not that you can get away with it, but you can do your thing. Mount did very well. Kante did very well, like I said. To, to be honest, the only Chelsea guy I think really looked off it, and it's not to be negative, I just wasn't impressed with Reese James. I don't think Reese James, he weren't poor. It's a 5 out of 10, but I think he's lacking. And I feel you had an opportunity right now to lay a marker because if I take it as a neutral looking at Chelsea at face value now, people, I see Callum Hudson-Odoi starting ahead of you in that wing-back role. Apart from obviously last game. Now, obviously, Tuchel can use his squad, and I'm not saying he's drawing conclusions, but there's got to be a reason. So, yeah, man, I I would have thought, I still think Reese James is a good player, but I would have thought he would have been more ahead of his development and just how he plays in the Premier League in terms of his IQ than now. But no worries, people. Mendy, Chelsea's goalkeeper, has kept 12 clean sheets in 22 starts, people, um, which I'm sure is good for him. Um, 
Chelsea have conceded only two goals in 10 games under Thomas Tuchel, people. That's the same return as they had in their first 10 games under Jose Mourinho. Both managers' 10th game was a 1-0 win against Liverpool. So I'm sure Chelsea fans are hoping for something. For me personally, I think Chelsea can finish as high as second. I think they're going to finish second. Now, it's down to them to maintain this form. But I think Leicester are dropping points. Um, I think United, obviously, they're making it harder than it needs to be. So I think, I personally think... Um, I think obviously City's going to win the league. I think you're going to have Chelsea there. Um, and then in relation to the top four, you know, the last two places, they, they're up for grabs. You know, West Ham and Everton are playing well. Leicester are still in the mix. You can't rule out Manchester United. Mathematically, I'm sure Spurs and Arsenal fans are hoping for something. So Liverpool are firmly in a top four race. I still think Liverpool could get top four. But at the end of the day, certain people have to miss out at this moment in time. I don't know because I, I, I'd have to be inclined to say I think... City are winning the league. I think Chelsea are finishing second. Regardless of what people are saying about United, I, I think United, like last year, they can find a way to just get top four. And I, I just feel Liverpool is going to be there. But at the same time, mathematically, it's looking very concerning. And I just said how I think Leicester's going to be there. So that's five teams for four spots already. Before you talk about West Ham and Everton complicating things, once again, I'm sure both North London teams are hoping for such people, if not the Europa League. So it is what it is, people. Um, Wijnaldum's header was Liverpool's first shot on target in the match, people. That was in the 85th minute. I, I already explained that to you. I'm not going to bore you lot even more. You know why you shouldn't have to do that. Uh, Mason Mount seems to love scoring away from home, people. All of all five of Mason Mount's Premier League goals this season have come away from home. He scored three goals in eight games under Thomas Tuchel compared to the two in 18 under Frank Lampard this season. And I think that's because, you know, Mount... It seemed like Mount was a bit of a jack-of-all-trades um, under Lampard. And there's still a Mount of that. You know, he's got versatility, but I just feel he's been given... Less less responsibilities and, and the, the very things he's been given, they have more of an impact. Like he's not being given 100 things to do. He's been given 10 things that I want you to do very well sort of thing. And that's helped him, you know, and, and Mount's a dream to have. He covers a lot of ground. He can score. He can assist. He's got technical qualities. He'll run himself into the ground. I think, you know, his his work ethic and his, and his versatility, I think those things go against Mason Mount. And that's why you, you saw under Lampard, to a degree under Southgate, he's playing here, there and everywhere sort of thing, which obviously game to game, if there's tactics, you wouldn't mind if, if Mount has to be used on the left or the right and flanks, if he has to be used deeper in the 10. But I just feel game in, game out under Lampard, it was he was... Every week is something new. I think there's a bit more stability. And that's one thing I've seen with Thomas Tuchel. It's like, he actually hasn't changed that much beyond what we can see. But I think there's more clarity over individual roles. I think there's more clarity collectively what he expects. I think there's more... I think there's actually more freedom in the final third. But at the same time... I think there's more clarity in what he expects you to do in the final third sort of thing. Like he wants the ball in the back of the net, but he's giving them the freedom to sort it out. Even if little things like the set pieces as well, they've improved. Um, you know, like I said, I, I couldn't pick a man of the match. I think everyone at Chelsea was quite good. But if I had to, I would say I think Kante's... Obviously, Kante's never going to grab headlines in it, but I think Kante worked very hard. Um, you know, it would have been an unlucky handball to go against Kante, but I think, you know, Kante, Mount and Christensen, one of those three in particular, would be it for me. I think they really mashed work. Um, Mount's game, people, he made he had a passing accuracy of 84%. He had 61 touches. He won the ball back seven times. 
Um, in the final third, he had six passes. He had six passes into the box. He had three chances created, which is the most. He had three shots. He made one tackle. He scored one goal and he had one interception. Now, I'm always wary of the tackle stats. I don't think that's true. Um, he's also the top goal scorer under Thomas Tuchel. And again, there's versatility for Thomas Tuchel. You know, he didn't start Giroud. He, he knows how to use that squad. Then that's how I judge a manager. You know, he's coming at the midway point. This is a free hit, but he's got to install building blocks. And I think he's... Again, he hasn't hit any roadblocks, but um, he's installed building blocks and, and, he's, and he's showing how he can use his side. Sometimes Tammy, then Giroud, you know, I might need a Pulisic, I might need a Mount. And this is before, you know, you don't even, this is not his squad, you know. We need to remember he's a new manager. He might say, you know, I actually don't like Mount. I actually don't want Reese. I actually don't want Callum. Forget Kante, you know. He's a new manager. We actually he has to just use what he has because he when he took over. So we actually don't know, and I think that's promising. I'm again that I think that's promising. You know, because when he gets summer to do his do his thing, is what it is. When you just look at the maths, it makes it look even more woeful at Liverpool. And again, City had a lot of a lot of things said about them when it was them. You can't just blame VAR and injuries, people. At some point, Liverpool and Klopp have to take responsibility. When you look at Liverpool after 27 games last season, people they had 79 points. This season, they're just about staying in the league. 43 points. That can't all be down to injuries and refereeing decisions and stuff. That has to, at some point, be down to what you lot are doing. Um, that's the largest negative points differential by defending champion people after 27 games in Premier League history. Liverpool have scored just one goal at Anfield in the league in 2021. And that was a Mohamed Salah penalty. So they yet to score from open play at Anfield. They've lost four times at Anfield, five times, sorry, at Anfield. It's not going well. When you look at it, Edison has provided more Premier League, assi Premier League assists at home than all Liverpool players combined. Smane failed to produce a single shot or create a single chance in his 90 minutes on the pitch against Liverpool. Christensen, like I said, he's one of the man of the matches for me. He made nine clearances against Liverpool, um, which was very good for him. Um, we all know, you know, Mohamed Salah. I don't, I don't feel Mohamed Salah should have been subbed off, but I don't think he can complain beyond obviously wanting to play because nobody was good really, and it did look like there was something there when he was being so. He looked like he wanted to crash. He calmed down, man. That was the um, earliest Mohamed, Mohamed Salah has been subbed in a top flight game since he played for Chelsea against Liverpool at Anfield in 2014, people. Like I said, I think Liverpool are in big trouble unless they, 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 they forgive themselves for what's happened and they really try and move forward because, again, there's problems. And I do think when you look at Klopp, there's, you know, some of his personnel he started, some of the tactics he's gone about, things, the need to reinvent that team, you know, it hasn't happened because, again, in hindsight, you know, he was relying on that front three to really do a lot and they're not producing people. They're really not producing. Um, when you look at your, um, Thomas Tuchel in his first 10 games, people, he's got three draws and the rest of them are wins. So make of that what you want. He's only conceded two, kept eight clean sheets and got 11 goals and is still unbeaten, people. So... Yeah, man, Thomas Tuchel is doing his thing. Moving away from that, though, people, and I'm sure you all saw Everton via Richarlison. You know, Richarlison scored for his fourth consecutive game. You know, he's become the first Brazilian to do so in the league. Um, Everton's top four flight, top four um, um, fight is still alive and their hopes are still alive. You know, West Bromwich Albion, I know Big Sam Samaladice was very critical on having to play this fixture midweek. But it is what it is, you know. Carlo Ancelotti was talking up Richarlison before the game, and you can see why people. 
Andre Gomez made 16 ball recoveries against West Brom. That's the most by an Everton player in a Premier League game in over three years. You'd have to go back for Idrissa Gay against Burnley. Um, when you look at Everton's last five Premier League goals, people, they've either been scored by Richarlison or Sigurdsson. You look at it now, you look at it, it says Richarlison, Sigurdsson, Richarlison, Richarlison, Richarlison. The last two that Richarlison has scored have been assisted by Sigurdsson, so... A bit of romance there, people. When you look at, again, a bit of, just to highlight how crazy this season is. I mean, to highlight it, Southampton were top at one point. But um, points between 7th place Liverpool and 1st place Manchester City, 22. Points between Liverpool and 18th place Fulham, 20. So they're technically closer to the bottom than the top. So, yeah, it's been a crazy week. Like I said, people, you know, once again to reiterate... Apologies, people, just to reiterate, on the Monday, well, I spoke about this on Monday already, but Everton defeated, Everton have won two games, one nil, one nil this week because Everton defeated Southampton, a goal to nil. Tuesday saw Manchester City defeat Wolverhampton 4-1. There was a draw against Crystal for Crystal Palace against Manchester United. United and Palace nil nil. Sheffield United defeated Aston Villa, a goal to nil. It was 1-1 at, at Turf Moor between Burnley and Leicester City. Yesterday, Thursday, saw um, Spurs defeat Fulham 1-0, saw Everton defeat West Brom 1-0, and once again saw Chelsea win 1-0. So Thursday was a weird day, you know, all the away sides won a goal to nil, keeping a clean sheet. Crazy. Um, so it is what it is firmly in that regard. So yeah, we've reviewed the Premier League action. Let's see the games that we have to come, people. Now, Arsenal will be kicking off the Premier League week this this game week, people. As we've got Burnley, midday kickoff on Saturday. Now, they beat us at our place. Simple as that. We know what to expect with Sean Dykes. You know, they haven't got quality, but they're tough to break down. They'll fight. They'll exploit um, set pieces. They'll, you know, dark arts and gamesmanship. They'll see what they can get away with. It's not going to be easy. I don't like Burnley. I'd love Burnley to get relegated. So, I really want to pump them and pack them in at no mercy sort of thing. We've got Spurs next week, North London derby. In no order, you know, we've got Burnley, Spurs, Liverpool even to come, West Ham. Then you've got the Olympiacos game. So we need to put an extended run of form to show that we can win Europa League, qualify for top four, at least make a fight of these things, you know, prove that you can put consistent form together for building blocks for next season, you know, prove that you can stare down the barrel of a tough run of games and come out of it on the other side because before the end of the last year, we didn't do that. Before that, slightly before that, when we had what, the Villas, the Leeds, the Wolves, the Leicesters, all them sort of teams there, we failed. So you've got another one. If you can't beat Burnley, then... Psh, you know, I want revenge against Burnley. I want revenge against Spurs. I want revenge against Liverpool. I want to, you know, I want revenge against Olympiacos. I'm just on a vengeance thing, a Scarface thing, people. But we're going to need to turn up. So it's Burnley versus versus Arsenal at 12.30 tomorrow, people. Make sure you're there for the DG watch along. You've got Sheffield United against Southampton, people. Um, again, both teams are woeful. It could go either way. I'd expect Southampton to win, but you never know them travelling to um, Sheffield United. Evening time sees a black country game, sees a, mid, sees a Midlands derby. You've got Aston Villa who lost their last game against Wolves who also lost their last game. Villa were earning a lot of plaudits, have, have taken a bit of a nosedive of sorts. You've got Brighton against Leicester. Leicester have dropped, you know, last two game weeks, you know, they've dropped hella points. They lost to us and they dropped two points against Burnley. Again, with Chelsea's form, United are statistically there. 
Everton and West Ham are banging on the doors. City are nailed on there. You know, it's a the, the most exciting thing in in the league right now is the top four race. And Leicester again, they messed up last year. For all the plaudits they got, they messed it up on the last day of the season. Again, there's not too much points separating things, so you need to take points. So the last game of Saturday evening at eight o'clock sees Leicester travel to Brighton. Make of that what you will. Our two Arsenal loanees will be facing each other on Sunday, people, as West Brom face Newcastle. Maitland Niles against Joel Willock. Keen to see that game, people. You've got Liverpool, who will be hoping for reaction playing Fulham, people. You've got the Manchester Derby. You've got City against United. Now, if form, form goes out the window, as they say, but... You know, you can't see anything other than a Manchester City landslide, a six scoring six or something, saying that football's a funny old game. In the same way, it wouldn't shock me if Arsenal lost to Burnley and beat Spurs. It wouldn't shock me that United struggled against Palace and went on to beat Manchester City. That being said, if you're a betting man, you can't look past City. And that's undoubtedly the game of the weekend. You know, you've also got Crystal Palace travelling to Spurs Sunday evening. That'll be the last game of the week, people. Um... Well, I say that actually on the Monday, people, you know, the game football is coming thick and fast this week, people. You know, you've got Champions League this week. Monday, you've got Chelsea against Everton. That's a big game. Carlo Ancelotti derby. Everton win that. Big, you know, credentials in terms of getting top four. Chelsea win that, then they confirm what we already know. You've got West Ham against Leeds. Low key, that game's going to slap. Um, on the Wednesday, people, I'm going ahead. And again, because there's action on the Monday... The next episode of the Deluded Podcast, as you know, will be on Tuesday. So we'll we'll speak about Manchester City versus Southampton. But on the Wednesday, you've got Man City against Southampton. And I remember that that game at St. Mary's, Southampton were in better form. And it was, you know, I think City won a goal to nil. John Stone scored, but it could have went another way if Che Adams and these sort of players could score. So there's a lot of games to come, people. You know, you've got the Premier League. Like I said, the Premier League games to come, to reiterate one more time, Burnley against Arsenal, Sheffield United against Southampton, Aston Villa against Wolves, Brighton against Leicester, West Brom versus Newcastle, Liverpool against Fulham, Manchester City against Manchester United, Tottenham Hotspur against Crystal Palace, Monday sees Chelsea versus Everton and West Ham against Leeds. And that's going to be an interesting game because, again, Chelsea, the target, like every club, is to finish as high as you can. But right now, the only thing you can salvage is top four and do what you can in the Champions League. Depending, if Everton win that, big hopes, big boost to their top four race. And obviously, if you're West Ham, that's a game where you're hoping both teams draw, especially more so Everton, so you can take advantage of that. And if you beat Leeds, you've put yourselves in a good position. So the games are coming thick and fast in this crazy season, people, and it's getting madder and madder. Um, in other news, moving away from the Premier League stuff, people... Tariq Lamperty, as you lot know, you know, he's a player that I would love at Arsenal and I'm sure those of you who don't support Arsenal would like him at your team as well. Earned a lot of plaudits since leaving Chelsea. Actually, since he played, well, in the, in the academy for Chelsea, yes, but if you lot remember, he made his debut, I don't know if it was his debut, but I'm sure he played against Chelsea, he played for Chelsea at the Emirates and he played quite well. He's had a tough time with injuries. Um, apparently, his manager, Graham Potter, has said he suffered another injury, this time to his hamstring, and he's seeing a, he's going to be seeing a specialist. And that's one thing, you know, he does seem to have a lot of these muscular injuries. Like, I'll probably do a video on YouTube about it, but I look at Lampety, and then I look at Tierney and Partey, and it looks like, well, Tierney's had a couple of knocks at Celtic. Partey was never injured, so I don't know what we're doing with our management of these players. I look at Lampety, who, you know, has got problems, 
based on what I'm seeing, at Arsenal, is he ever going to be fit if he did sign? Not that we can sign him, people. Um, and it's sad, man, that he's only made 19 appearances since joining Chelsea, since joining from Chelsea last year, people. He's been there over a year and he's only played 19 times. He did have to wait a bit and he did sign a new deal recently until 2025. Um, so, yeah, man, it's sad that he's not even been able to play since December. I don't think he would have got into England contentions, but, you know, England are blessed at right back and I, I welcome the conversation when he's playing well. You know, sadly, James Justin was injured. You know, you got Reese James, you got Trent, you know, even Maitland was here, and, here, there and everywhere in those shouts. And, you know, you've obviously got the Trippiers, the Trents, the Walkers and the Bait ones. But, you know, he'll be out and I don't know when he'll be back. You know, Graham Potter said Tariq won't be fit. He had a little setback this week and we need to get to the bottom of that. It's a problem with his hamstring. He's seeing a specialist and he's not available this weekend. I'm sure you've all seen A.D. Ward, one of the most high profile agents, football agents in or within English football. You know, some of his clients include, you know, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Raheem Sterling, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, people of this ilk, Colossal, you know, he owns Colossal Sports Management. They're doing quite well as well, people. Apparently, though, he's under investigation after allegedly breaking football association rules by paying the parent of an England youth player 10000 to join his agency. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm not saying he's right. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm saying a lot of agents do good things and get a bad rep, but that is part of the industry. You know, these sort of, if it's not that, it's tickets, it's promises, it's indirect. He's just got caught or whatever about it people but you know as i as i said he, he you know he's got a big agency and things like that he's, his name's under investigation and things like that he's accused of making the payment before the player reached the permitted age so tapping him up the fa confirmed an investigation has begun and we'll see what happens now i'm sure over the re last week you've seen um Apparently, Matt Ritchie calls Steve Bruce a coward in the back of he feels Steve Bruce appeared to kind of blame him for the, the equaliser they conceded against Wolves last Saturday, people. And apparently they had a bust up. Ritchie has said sorry. Um, but at a time like this, when Newcastle was fighting relegation, where there's a lot of question marks over the manager's job. For me, if I'm Steve Bruce, you'd never play for me again. You're out of it because, you know, you might be saying what people are thinking, but you've openly questioned my authority. I can't I don't know if I can trust you just as a, on a human level. And I don't know if you're down for the cause, people. Pardon me. But saying that, if he's allowed to feel aggrieved. Apparently, for what it's worth, though, Matt Ritchie has apologised after after the report. Um, claimed he called his manager a coward. That's the, you would never play for me again. Probably fist you up. Um, Ritchie was unhappy that Bruce appeared to blame him for Wolves' equaliser by not getting tactical instructions onto his teammates quickly enough when he came on as a second half substitute. He did say, unfortunately, Matty didn't get the direction on quick enough. The instructions on how we were doing it, making a change. We'll have to concede that one and make sure we do our instructions from the sidelines. So he is a bit digging him out from a footballing point of view. Can feel a bit hard done by, but there's a way of going about things. Um, I'm sure you've all seen as well, people. Portugal have moved their World Cup qualifying game against Azerbaijan to Italy, the Turin, in a bid to use their Premier League players. Now, as you lot know, because of quarantine problems, again, Oli Social was critical on it. If they did have to use these players, then obviously it would affect the Premier League due to quarantine things. And for United, you'd have Bruno Fernandes being unable, you know, for... Um, 
for for City, obviously you've got Bruno, you got um, you got Ruben Diaz, you've got Bernardo Silva, you've got Cancelo. You know, there's all these sort of things that could happen. If you're Leicester, you've got Danilo. You know, maybe Arsenal if Cedric gets called up, that's Cedric out of it. And I'm sure there's plenty of other examples. But the game that's scheduled for the 24th of March has been moved to Italy due to travel restrictions and limits the risks of clubs stopping the likes of the players of 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 named from joining the squad. Um, Portugal said um, that the set of travel restrictions in Portugal and other countries as the result of the COVID-19 pandemic forced the Portuguese Football Federation to work on alternative plans for the preparation stage and for the first qualifying game for the 22 World Cup. After studying the existing restrictions and, and analysing different solutions, we can say that the national team will prepare and play the opening game of the qualifier for the 22 World Cup with Azerbaijan on the premises and at the stadium of Juventus in the city of Turin, Italy. So yeah, it is what it is in that regards, people. And they obviously said they they didn't make sure they did obviously mention other games as well. So yeah, man, they're trying to get around the rules because as you look know, if these Premier League players were to travel to Portugal, they would have to quarantine for ten days upon their return to England. Um, obviously because Portugal is one of, is on one of England's red list people. Thus, by the game being moved to Italy, the players would only have to self isolate outside of activities in the footballing bubble. So yeah, man, good news. I guess, depending on what team you support. Um, also, in, in case you missed it, as you lot know, I've installed this in case you missed it little bit, just for little bits and pieces that have happened throughout the week. The Scot Scottish League One and League Two clubs have ununanimously decided to reduce their seasons from 27 games to 22, um, which make of that what you will, people. Apparently, in a statement released by all 20 clubs, um, they say their agreement allows a competitive end to the season that our fans are keen to see and we want to participate in. Um, you know, apparently it went on to say we are now calling for the FPFL to do everything in their power to work with us to overcome the perceived obstacles of a 22 game season, which all solutions and hope they work accordingly. As you lot know, the lower divisions have been suspended since early January, but the Scottish government confirmed on Tuesday that the football below the Scottish Championship could resume on the condition of regular COVID testing taking place, people. Make of that what you will. The English government people, you, I'm sure you've all saw the the budget has been announced this week. Apparently, the budget includes football, women's football's recovery fund, and confirms a World Cup bid. Apparently, the government announced its budget on Wednesday, outlined it would provide 1.2 million to mitigate the financial effects of COVID-19 on the UEFA Women's Euros and to deliver a, success, a successful tournament. Apologies in England in 2022. Um, as you lot know, there was also allegedly 2.8 billion, 8, 2.8 million apologies committed to a joint UK and Ireland bid for the 2030 Men's World Cup. Also on that topic, and keeping up with women's football people, the women's F, the women's FA Cup will resume at the end of this month, following the government's recent roadmap announcement, which obviously announced plans for the return of grassroots football from March 29th. The tournament had been put on hold since January because of the country's third national COVID lockdown. Obviously, this resulted in the suspension of all non-elite football. 
Um, so yeah, the football FA Cup is back. However, it's likely that for the second year in a row, the the final of the competition will roll into the final season. So it's just nice to see that it's back. Finally, people, again, we all know the Spanish teams, like every team, are struggling financially. But apparently, Barcelona and Real Madrid have been dealt another financial blow. Apparently, the Clasico rivals are among those to have been informed that they will be stung with a bill of up to €5 million, Euros, €4 million, as part of um, a European Union fight against tax avoidance. Apparently, Athletic Club and Osasuna, also La Liga clubs, have also been informed they will have to back taxes to pay. The clubs in ca- in question, led by Barcelona, however, have challenged the initial ruling, which questioned the use of the 25 percent tax rate rather than the standard 30 percent rate for all sports companies but the final outcome has obviously not come in their favor so they've got to pay the taxes so within these 53 minutes people we've reviewed the premier league action we've previewed the premier league action we've talked about stuff irrelevant from the premier league and just general footballing points of view i'll be back for another edition of the deluded podcast on tuesday because there's monday action next week's going to be a big week because there's the deluded podcast twice there'll be a bag of content for me um, I'm going to do a quite a lot of watch alongs. There's the, you know, there's a lot of Premier League action and there's a lot of, the you know, the Champions League is to come back. Tomorrow, for those of you that are on YouTube, Burnley versus Arsenal, we kick off at 12.30. I'll be live on my YouTube channel from 12. So head over there and set the reminders. There's content everywhere, people. So yeah, I appreciate you lot for checking in. Please make sure you, you know, you hit the like button, you hit the follow, you do whatever you can to get the movement out there in terms of the the DG podcast. Like this is probably my favourite bit of content to do because it's football as well as Arsenal from a neutral point of view. So do what you can to get out there. Please make sure you're following me on all my socials, DeludedGuna04. Information is in the description of all the podcasts. Please, more importantly than that, stay safe, people, and I'll see you again. It's been a pleasure speaking to you lot for these 50-odd minutes. Hopefully, I've given you some some decent service and some decent footballing talking points um, for this, you know, just under an hour. But for now, people, stay safe. God bless. People, deluded. I'm out. God bless. Safe. <laughs>